about to get ready to take place here at uh, First Apostolic Church. We're getting ready to go on a journey. I hope you're packed up and ready to go. I'm, I'm talking about spiritually. <laughs> um, I don't think we're going to be physically moving, but you know, the children of Israel got involved in a lot of journeys. And uh, we want to talk about how they uh, proceeded when they turned south, when they could have gone into the promised land. And uh, they walked around, they wandered around for 40 years. And uh, the previous generation kind of faded from the picture. And then the new generation marched into the promised land. And we're all going to march into the promised land in just a few months. I'm looking forward to that. How about you? I'm excited. In fact, I can almost say I'm ready now, but we're not there yet. <laughs> Amen. If you'll turn with me to Deuteronomy, the second chapter. This is the command that Moses uh, gave to the second generation or the next generation. And uh, what they had been waiting for for 40 years. And then uh, verse uh, 1 says, And then they turned and took their journey into the wilderness by the red, way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spake unto me. And we come past Mount Seir many days. In other words, they walked around it, walked uh, in his neighborhood. And then the Lord spake to me and said, You've come past this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. Northwood. They were ready at that time to get out of the wilderness and head for the promised land. But a lot of things took place before they received that command. And by the way, before I go further, I want to give honor to my pastor and his family. And they'll be traveling back tomorrow night. Uh, they had... Uh, a day of travel there, and then four days of church services and preaching, and then uh, a couple of days to kind of unwind. But they're getting back on the plane in the morning, and they're going to be here tomorrow night. So I, I appreciate his confidence allowing me to speak here tonight. I am not him, as you can see. He's a kind of a tall, thin fellow, and he moves around this platform, and this platform is too small for him. But in our, in our new Tree of Life Church, we're going to have a large runway for a platform. <laughs> Amen. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. But I want to talk about tonight how they prepared uh, for that journey. It was not an easy journey, and it took a lot of work. I don't know if you've ever moved. I've moved a few times, and I'll be telling you about it. But they lived around the tabernacle. They built this place of worship. It was the church in the wilderness. And uh, they had a plan. They had a standard operating procedure where who stayed on the north side and the tribes were on the left side and those were on the south side. And Moses and Aaron and the priests were on the east side. And they lived around that tabernacle. And closest to the tabernacle, but not so close, but the closest people to uh, that tabernacle were the Levites and uh, they are the people that moved the tabernacle now I don't know if you've ever been to the Sinai Desert but we've had military people who have been there and assigned there and it's a very hot place they didn't have uh, deuce and a half so that's two and a half ton trucks to move all this stuff they carried it on their shoulders and they had to pack it out they had to disassemble it and uh, they had a certain marching order, and they had certain families that would lead out with different articles uh, that they would be carrying the tabernacle. And uh, anyway, David found out you can't just put this on a cart and carry the ark or whatever. It has to be borne on the shoulders of men. And that's the way the work of God is. It rests upon you and me. We can't just do it by mechanics. We have to be involved spiritually, and we have to be involved humanly. How many want to be used by God in his kingdom? Well, every person here 
can be a success in God's kingdom. Did you know there's no unemployment in his kingdom? In fact, there's more work to do than we can handle. But he gives us strength to carry the load that he gives us. Now, when you turn to Numbers, the third chapter, uh, there are three groups of sons that actually would carry uh, and move the tabernacle. And uh, there were the three sons of Levi. And uh, the first son, Gershon, his name was Gershon. The second, name, the second son's name was uh, Kohath. In fact, when you hear someone's name today uh, of Koran, Cohen, usually they're probably a Jewish person. In fact, the uh, president's former economic advisor uh, was, uh, he actually resigned, but he was a Jew. In fact, several years ago, there was a Cohen who was in charge of the uh, Defense Department, the Pentagon. And so there's a lot of Jewish influence in our government. And the third guy's name was Marai. And I want you to turn with me there, and I want you to, to look in Numbers, the third chapter, and just take a little uh, understanding and walk here with me to see what these folks had to do when they had to get ready to go on their journey. In verse 17, it says, The sons of Levi, by their names Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, these are the names of the sons, and it gives the names. And you go on down to verse 23, and it says, The families of the Gershonites shall pitch behind the tabernacle on the west side. So they knew where they had to position themselves. And uh, verse 25 says, And the charge of the sons of Gershon in the tabernacle of the congregation shall be the tabernacle. And it's going to be the tent. It's going to be the covering thereof. It's going to be the hanging for the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. It'll be the hangings. When they say the hangings, they're talking about the curtains that went surrounded the whole thing. And uh, uh, the curtains of the door of the court, uh, which is by the tabernacle, by the, ta by the altar roundabout, and the cords for it, all the ropes of the service. That's what they had to do when they disassembled the tabernacle. And... Uh, the second son, his name was Kohath, and he was of the family of the Amorites. And it goes on to give a little more pedigree of who they are. But when you go down to verse 31, it says, Their charge shall be the ark, it shall be the table, shall be the candlestick, it shall be the altars and the vessels of the sanctuary, wherewith they minister and the hanging inside, and all the services thereof. Now they didn't just go into the holy place and the holies of holies and pick that stuff up and start hauling it out. There was a certain procedure that the, the, uh, the priest had to go in and very carefully wrap this in certain colors and scarlet and blue. And when it was all packaged up, then they were allowed to go in and then join in their specific order of march and carry the things that were charged for the inside of the tabernacle. And then we had the third son, uh, Merari, and uh, his, all of his families. Now, this is not just a group of eight or ten people. This particular family, for instance, had 6,200 people. And so I'm not, I am pretty sure that they had a rotation where when they had to break down the tabernacle, all right, you guys, you, this section will do the taking down, and you all can just rest and carry your tents and everything. I would hate to have to be the one that every time they moved, and we're going to talk about the number of times that they moved, that they would be the people that had to do that. And, of course, there was no air conditioning. Uh, the heat of the sun in the desert there, uh, you can put that together. It was not an easy task. But they did it because they were commanded by the Lord. And when the Lord commands us, we want to follow through, don't we? And uh, they, they made a commitment uh, to Moses and to God that they will obey the commandments and the statutes and the word of God, and they were committed. And because they were committed, they followed through with their responsibilities that had been given to them uh, that concerned the 
the things of God. So let's look at what the Merari and his family. In verse uh, 36, it says they had uh, the, the custody in charge of the sons of uh, Merari. They shall be the boards of the tabernacle. Now these were not short boards. And these were long boards. And the bars thereof, the things that held them together, and the pillars, the sockets, and all the vessels thereof, and everything that they served with, and the pillars of the court around about, their sockets, their pins, and their cords. And uh, they, uh, they did that because they wanted to serve God. It, it didn't look like a very important responsibility, but every board, every socket, every cord there had a place and had a responsibility to make the tabernacle complete. And you know, even in our church, there are things that we have responsibilities. Maybe somebody never see you, but if it's kind of like a, I was an usher many years ago. I came home from Vietnam as a captain, and I asked Brother Urshan, not his grandfather, our pastor's grandfather, if there's anything I could do to help in the church. He said, why, sure, you can be an usher. I said, usher? He said, yes, if you can serve God's people in the, tab in the it was ta uh, Calvary Tabernacle, if you can serve people, then you'll be able to serve God. <laughs> well, I found out you had to serve God first before you could serve people. <laughs> and the thing about being an usher, if the thing is not done correctly, everybody knows it. But if an usher does his job, and when we did our jobs right, nobody knows noticed what was going on because everything was so smooth. In fact, we keyed in on Brother Urshan. He talked with his eyes. When you would follow his eyes, you could tell where you were supposed to be, where the problem was. And all he had to do was look over an area, and you see a couple of us ushers running over there to make whatever was right. I mean, he had these flashing, dark Persian eyes. And when they flashed, we moved. <laughs> but, you know, even the smallest, what appears to be the smallest thing that is done in the church is really important to the move of the Spirit. That's what we want. We want people to be able to come down here and worship God and uh, repent of their sins and be baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And if we all will do our part in God's kingdom, things will move uh, uh, smoothly without any kind of contradiction and allow the, the Spirit of God to move. And that's what we want. That's why we're going to build is because this place, first of all, is too small. It's, it's time to pull up the tent and, and move a little bit further north. <laughs> Amen. And so that's, that's how they moved the tabernacle. Now, when did they do these, when, when did they do these uh, journeys? Let's turn over to Numbers, the ninth chapter. There was, there was a cloud that overshadowed them in the daytime. And then there, the cloud actually turned into fire in the evening and at nighttime. And they had their eyes on the cloud. In verse uh, 15 of chapter 9 of, of uh, Numbers, And on the day that the tabernacle was raised up or reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, and namely the tent of the testimony, and even there was upon the tabernacle, as it were, the appearance of fire until the morning. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, then after that the children of Israel journeyed. In fact, that was the signal that God was moving along and they better get their things together, get the tabernacle unhooked and, and disassembled, and then get in the right marching order because God was leading them. Can I tell you that God was in the cloud? He led them by the cloud. He overshadowed them. He protected them. He led them by the cloud. He, he guided him. 
and he was always going before them. His presence never left them. And it's the same with us today in the, in the time of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And if we could see with the eyes of the Spirit, there's probably a glory cloud overshadowing the city of Montgomery because of you being in this church, being filled with the Holy Ghost, because the truth is being preached here. And there is a glory of God that overshadows this little village that we live in. Oh, hallelujah. And so when that cloud began to move, there was a lot of discussion going on in the camp. Oh my goodness, we just got here two days ago. Or we just moved here a year ago. Or we just been here a month. And now here we are moving again. But when God speaks and when God commands, we should obey. Oh hallelujah, that's one of the greatest things we can do is when God speaks to us, we obey and move with the Spirit. How many want to move with the Spirit? Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for his Spirit. Amen. And so we find the commandment of the Lord, uh, the children of Israel, verse 18, journeyed, and at the commandment of the Lord they pitched as long as the cloud was above the tabernacle, uh, they rested in their tents. So it wasn't so bad when they got there. Um, of course, they had to do their... They lived every day. They had things they had to do. But uh, their main occupation, when they finally got to a, a, a stopping place, they were able to rest in their tents. That sounds like a pretty good deal, too. I kind of like that. I'm ready to go home and rest. Well, the cloud is moving right now. i got to keep moving on. Amen. And when the cloud tarried long upon the tabernacle many days, then the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and they didn't journey at all. And so it was when the cloud was a few days upon the tabernacle, according to the commandment of the Lord, they abode in their tents. And according to the commandment of the Lord, they journeyed. And so they were very open and listening for the commands of God. And we should have a heart that hears what God is speaking to each of us. That when he says, move, we need to move. When he says that person needs to hear a word of testimony, we shouldn't take in consideration, well, I don't know what they really want. If God says they need to hear, go talk to them. That's how the work of God will grow and how we will grow if we will exercise the faith that he's placed within us. Oh, hallelujah. And there's always room to grow in God's kingdom. Can you say amen? And so it was that when the cloud abode from even unto the morning, and that the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they journeyed, whether it was by day or by night. Well, if I'd rather do something at night if there's, if there's a lot of heat around. When I was younger and my eyes were better, I would like to travel at nighttime, especially in the summertime. Now, my father-in-law, who, bless him, he's passed on. I would take his daughter, his only daughter, and I'm saying, all right, it's uh, 11 o'clock. We're going to go ahead and go on to Illinois to see my parents, and that was, at that time, three hours away. And he'd look at his watch, and he'd look at me, and then he'd look at her. He said, are you sure that's what you want to do? I, and being strong-headed at that time, oh, of course that's what I want to do. And I did. It didn't kill us, and we were kind of cool. You know, I used to have a car before it had air conditioning in the cars. Now it's just regular equipment. Hallelujah. But they, but they didn't have it back then. Now, look at verse 32 in our lesson here tonight. Or whether it was two days or a month or years or uh, a year or several days, that the cloud tarried upon the tabernacle and remained thereof. And the children of Israel abode in their tents and journeyed not. But when it was taken up, they journeyed. Can you imagine doing all that work, getting it all set up, sitting down in your tent, getting up the next morning, and there goes the, the, the cloud moving right along. 
You know, sometimes uh, in walking with God, things move quite quickly. And God wants us to move with him. And when it's time to stop, he'll let us stop. But when it's time to move, hey, it's time to go. But can you imagine being somewhere two days and it's time to move? I don't know about you, but moving one year, once a year is too much. How many has moved in the last year? Just raise your hand. How many are still moving right now? Or you've moved five years and you're still not unpacked yet? I spent 35 years packed up. I had stuff that we left here when we went to the mission field, and we finally got back and unpacked it. I found out I had a bunch of antiques on my hands. <laughs> and, uh, and every time we come home, of course, we have to set up house. I don't know if I should tell you this or not, but during our military and missionary time, which extended from 1967 until we came back from the mission field in 2010, we moved only 26 times. She moved. In fact, one month during the, the Gulf War, we moved six times in six months. I don't know why I'm still standing. <laughs> you know, Prince Philip, who's the husband of Queen Elizabeth, he's 92 now and he doesn't do public functions anymore. And he, told, he, he said, now I have officially stood down. And one of his friends came and said, Prince Philip, how come you're standing down? He said, well, my friend, it's because I can't stand up. <laughs> and I can kind of imagine what he meant. But uh, I remember when we would pack up, I had a little dog named Judge. He was as smart as, yeah, and uh, moving along, he was a very intelligent dog. But when we would start packing the boxes, and you know when you pull tape out, it makes that nice sound, he knew right then that we were getting ready to go on a journey. And so he would look for his kennel. And until I would get his kennel out, he would jump into her suitcase and sit there like, if you're going, I'm going. And I feel that way about Jesus Christ. If he's going, I'm going to go. Oh, hallelujah. He wants me to stay here. I'm going to stay here. But when the cloud of the Holy Ghost begins to move, I want to move with him. Oh, hallelujah. The Lord wants to pour out his spirit. He's not done yet. If he was done, we wouldn't be sitting here. We'd be walking on streets of gold. But I tell you what, uh, right now we've got people and friends that we want to be in the house of God. We want them to repent. We want them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. We want them to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so we're going to be faithful to the house of God. We're going to be faithful. When I was in Vietnam, you know I can't talk any time up here unless I tell you a little military stuff. I mean, 30 years I, I spoke and preached to military people. And um, if you take things out of my messages about military, I, I have to look for, some, for more things. But <laughs> I was in the Ashaw Valley, and uh, we were encamped on a fire support base. And the word came for us to tear the base down and to move to the other side of the valley on top of the mountain. And so the commander gave us the command, and about that time we had over 350 people on the base or somewhere in that number. And so we had a lot of good security around, and uh, yeah, we had several units there. And so after we got the command, one by one these units started departing us, and I was left in charge of tearing the base down and we had a platoon of, uh, of uh, Arvin's Army of the Republic of Vietnam, Vietnamese. And uh, lo and behold, when we went over to their site where they were supposed to be, they had gotten up in the middle of the night and they had left. 
Now, they were our main source of manpower. When I counted the number of people finally where we had on that huge base, there were only about a dozen, a dozen and a half of us. And our job was to tear up all of the revetments, to tear down the foxholes and all. And all of our manpower put their live chickens on their, their rucksacks, their chicken dinners, and they moved out. And so we didn't have very much defensive power left on that base. And everybody's looking at me. You know what I did? I went to praying because only God could protect us in a case like that. Can I tell you that his presence swept over that entire base and there was protection, there was oversight. God looked after us. And I remember we worked for three days and three nights. We did not sleep. We worked all day and then we had, we had uh, uh, guard duty and, and protection uh, for, for what, who was left. And so we stayed up for three solid days, days and nights. And finally, we, we finished the job. I remember going to sleep on the second night, and I said, Lord, there's not enough here for, for the enemy even to be concerned about us. And we knew that the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese were just north of us. And on that third night, they attacked uh, the base that was just north of us and, and killed several of our own people. And I heard about it on my radio. And so that kind of made us want to work a little faster that day. And at the end of the day, they actually sent a two and a half ton truck to pick up just the rest of us remnants that were left and took us to the other side of the, um, of the valley where the mountain was. And it started raining. And so they couldn't send us transportation to take us to the top of the mountain. And so we offloaded of the vehicle, and they're all looking at me, and it's raining, and I said to them, just lay down where you are. We'll just all take a little nap, and when they show up with transportation, then we'll go to where they were. And so it actually hadn't started raining. Let me back up. And so we all lay down, and we, it didn't take much to fall asleep. But I was praying, Lord, keep your hand upon us. I'm glad he never forsakes us. He's always there when you need him. And so I laid down on my back, and when I woke up, the rain was hitting my face. It felt so good. And you know what I did? I went back to sleep. <laughs> but you know, sometimes journeys are not easy. But you know, I've watched us uh, since we moved here. Uh, the congregation is a different congregation. We're, we're larger than we were, than I recall when we first came here. But during the last three years, we have learned to work together. We have learned to pray together. We've learned to work around the altar together. And God has molded us together as a team. And now it looks like to me, the cloud is beginning to move a little bit. And uh, this place is too small. I said it's too small. If you've ever had to sit out there in the vestibule, it's no fun. But it's still a blessing. But you know, a lot of people, when they see all the cars, they just turn around and they go somewhere else. I can't wait till we get that parking lot with 400 parking places. 400 parking places. That's a miracle right there. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but I'm just telling you, I'm excited about what's coming down the road to us. Oh, hallelujah. It's worth the journey with Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. And so I just want you to know that they had a lot of journeys. In fact, when you, when you read in Numbers 33, and I, I'm not going to take the time to, to look at all these um, scriptures, but it says here in Numbers 33, these are the journeys of the children of Israel, which went forth out of the land of Egypt with their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. And Moses wrote their goings out according to their journeys by the commandment of the Lord. And these are the journeys according to their goings, goings out. And there are a list here of 42 journeys that the Israelites did in 40 years. Now there's other references in 
the book of Moses and other places that reference other stopping, other camping places. And some people feel like the number is a little bit higher, it could be as high as 52. Others have figured out that it might even be 72. Can you imagine moving 72 times in 40 years? I hate to think about moving once in 10 years. We've been in this house for nine years. Feels good. Don't ask me to move. I'll tell you why. Because when we moved in there, I threw out all the packing boxes. <laughs> but I found that if you put an empty space in the house, for some reason, it gets filled up. Don't ask me to move out of this place. You know, Anna, she, she has said that she wants our house. She wants to buy our house. She wants it. If she wants it, she's going to get everything that's in it. <laughs> Gladly. <laughs> but when it comes to moving, uh, I'm telling you, I've had my share. But when the Lord says move, it's really time to move. And if, if you look at this, chapter 33, and every place that they went, I mean, I'm not going to bore you with every journey that they took. But you know... They probably got a little bit weary. They got a little bit tired. They, their backs started hurting. But you know what? The clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. I can't say that. I wear shoes until they slap me because they want me to get rid of them. I'm just a poor Pentecostal preacher, you know. But the Lord took care of them, and he fed them. I mean, they'd have manna for for breakfast and they'd have manna left over and if they got a little greedy and tried to get more than what they had, then they had a bucket of worms. But God took care of them. He gave them water when they were thirsty. And that's what got Moses in trouble because they murmured and they complained and they weren't complaining against him, they were complaining against God. And that's why we are admonished not to complain, not to murmur because it's not really against the situation. We're, we're, we're not really thankful to God to what, what we do have. And if we have the joy of the Holy Ghost, there's no room for complaints. Oh, hallelujah. We should be a joyful people. We were meant to have joy, the joy of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. We should be the most joyful people on the face of the earth, especially here in Montgomery or wherever we live. We should carry that with us wherever we go, the joy of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. And so we find that um, in Deuteronomy, right where we started, uh, let me read that again for you. He said, and then we turned. This is at the end of the journeys. And he said, we took our journey into the wilderness in the beginning by the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoken to me, and we compassed about Seir many days, yeah, 40 years. But then the Lord spoken to me saying, you've compassed this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. In other words, they were given the command to finally move towards the promise that Abraham had been promised. Oh, hallelujah. Can I tell you, this church has been promised something this church, we've been promised the Holy Ghost. How many's got the Holy Ghost tonight? Hey, the word of God is true. Every man's a liar, but it's for us. Oh, hallelujah. And it's for your friends. It's for your family. And so they turned northward so they could build a new life. You know what we're going to do? We're going to go out the door and we're going to turn north and we're going to build the church called the Tree of Life. It's not only a promise, it's going to happen. You know, Moses, he died. He, he was not allowed to go into the promised land because when they were murmuring and complaining against them, the Lord had commanded him to just speak to the rock. The rock represented God Almighty, really Christ. But instead, in his anger, he smote the rock. Well... You know what? The Lord saw that. 
And he said, okay, you can leave these people, but this is as far as you're going, and you're going to have to die on this side of the Jordan. But before he died, there was a succession of leadership. God always has a plan for the leadership of his people. And so he appointed a young man who uh, was faithful to God, he and Caleb especially, and uh, he appointed them, him to, to lead them to the, to, the, to the north and then across the, uh, the Jordan River. And I want you to notice what he told uh, Joshua before he died. And in my last scripture in Joshua, the first chapter, he says, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord came to pass, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, and saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. And here's what he said. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Every place that you put your feet, I'm going to give it to you. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given it to you. And I was reading that a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I helped serve on with a group of men, the executive group, where we fleshed out the blueprint or the, the plans for the tree of life. And so I went and I got one of the blueprints and I opened it up. Wouldn't you like to see this? Well, it's top secret. What is your classification? You know, the president's son lost his classification. He can only see things that are secret. This is top secret. But I got a blueprint and uh, it's got the it's got the blueprint of the new church and where it's located on this property. And it, it abuts up to uh, the education or the administrative building where the fellowship hall is. And so I figured, I walked out there in the yard with this, with this blueprint, and the, and the Lord did everything by blueprint. He gave a blueprint to Moses to build a tabernacle, and he built it according to the pattern and here's the pattern for the tree of life that I feel like God gave to us I sat in those meetings where the the uh, the executives from the construction company is that or the architects and we'd open the meeting with prayer and we pray we didn't just say a prayer we prayed and we felt the anoint we felt the cloud come in and, and, and he guided our thinking in fact, one of the fellows felt so much the presence of God that he started listening to the podcast. <laughs> and I'm looking for him to show up for God to do something in his life. Because that's what we're about. The tree of life. The healing. The leaves for the healing of the nations. And this nation needs a healing. Oh, hallelujah. But we know what the answer is. So I took that and I oriented it to to the field and I found myself out on that north parking lot and uh, when I did I I walked into the uh, family fellowship center that's going to be named Leroy and Evelyn Buller family fellowship hall and I walked around there and I started praying out there on the ground where my feet were going, I was claiming it. Not just the paper, I was claiming that ground out there. I think we got a pattern in the work of God, how we can live and how we can worship God, but also how we can claim the things that God gives us. Oh, hallelujah. And from there, I took it and I walked to where I kind of oriented and I had, I had that other building and I walked over and I walked into the sanctuary. That will seat a thousand people. Can you imagine us worshiping a thousand people at one time? 
praising the name of the Lord, being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it's in a fan shape. Can I say that? It's in a fan shape. And then the, it's, it, it, it kind of goes down at an angle. And then here behind me were all kind of seats that would go up uh, like risers. It was so beautiful. <laughs> I walked around with my, with my hands up. And I was speaking in tongues. And everywhere I was going, I was Lord said, Lord, give this to us. Give this. I claim this in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's going to do it. He's promised us. And then you know what I did? I walked down the aisle and I walked up to where, where the altar was. It's a huge place where we can bring everybody up and we can praise God and reach uh, reach heaven on behalf of the sinners that come and help pray them through to a place in God. And then I went up on this nice, big, spacious platform. Big platform. I mean, you could actually do a 10-second, a 100 meters on the thing. And I could see the musicians. You got to have sight and by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. But I'm telling you, I could see it. I could see it. It's there. God, give us eyes. Look out, look out on the mountain. There's more of them, more of us than them. Huh. So. Then I walked over to where the baptism is. It's right out front. We don't hide it behind. It's right out here. They come out of the dressing rooms and they step right into the tank and their sins are washed away. Oh, hallelujah. I walked back to the front and walked through the doors. And there was Connect Point. Oh, my goodness. To welcome our visitors in and places that you can actually move and no steps. No step, no stairs. The only stairs I saw were the steps going into the baptism. Now, that's, that's okay. Then I walked down the hallway, went through the doors. Oh, here's the reception center where the receptionist is going to sit and, and uh, answer the phone when you call. And I walked through the doors, and I looked down this long hallway, and here, here was the pastor's office. Oh, wait a minute. Way up there in front of the um, connect point, nice big strategically placed restrooms. What can I say? <laughs> you won't have to sneak back. It's supposed to be the nurseries when nobody's looking. You go in there and, and then you get lost looking for the other ones in the building. It's not like that. When you walk in the door, turn right, and there it is. Woo! I've been there. I've been there. Then I walked down that hallway, and here were this, here's the pastor's office. It's right behind the platform. Never mind. Walked past the staff offices, and then walked through a room, and here was the prayer room. Whoa, did I have a time in the prayer room? It's there. I'll tell you what, the Lord's going to meet us there and talk to us and, and show us some things about him. I'm excited about it. Oh. I'll tell you, the great thing about the prayer room is the kitchen's right next to it. A brand new kitchen. And off to it is what they call the servery where they can get all the food together. We're going to have a great time in that church. Walked back. I was, I was, my hands were going up in the air. If, if the police had come, they would have put me in a, in a, in a white jacket. Because I looked like I was going crazy. I was going crazy. But I'm telling you what, living for God is exciting. And what he's getting ready to do is a wonderful thing. Can I tell you what happened? When I went home that night, I went to sleep. I don't know if it was a dream. Or if it was a vision. 
but I was in the finished auditorium. And I was there, and God was there. Can I tell you, it's a reality. It's not just a figment of our imagination. If I sound a little excited, it's because I'm a little excited. And so, I can't show this to you. I've been given orders, and so I'm going to roll it up. Uh, well, it's got your name on it. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, I called, I called Brother Glenn Durst, who was work construction, had his own construction company. I said, you got any blue blueprints? I said, I want a blue blueprint. I even went to Staples and I told him, I said, I want a blue blueprint. He said, we don't have those anymore. We just do photocopies. So I called Brother Durst. He said, they quit that way back. He said, that's old school. So we're not printing this on old school stuff. This is new school stuff. Oh, hallelujah. I'm a little bit excited. You know, Brother Mark Mendendike, who spoke to us for a few moments, said there's going to be miracles happen to you. Things are going to happen to you financially or otherwise that you, you cannot understand where they came from. Jeremiah 33 and 3. God's going to do a great thing. Oh, Lord, we want to obey you. We want to be used in your kingdom. Can I tell you a miracle that happened to me? It's never happened. Oh, yeah. It happened with the IRS, your friends and mine. In fact, I'm telling you, we get two extra days of grace because we don't have to turn our stuff in until the 17th, which is a Tuesday. So that's a blessing for all, <clears throat> for all you late folks. But I get this letter from the IRS, and when I go to my mailbox and I said, when it says internal revenue, I start doing this, because they never have anything nice to say to me. So I took it home, and I opened it up. They checked my, they checked my return for 2015. That's how far back they are, they're behind. But they didn't get, here they were saying, we found a mistake. And usually mistakes always go against me. He said, but we found a certain amount of money that we want to give it to you. Will you allow, this, allow us to give this to you? Just sign the paper. I kept that a few days. In fact, I took it to my CPA. I said, what, what is this? They've made a mistake this time. And so they looked at it for a couple of days and said, no, 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 it's yours, sign. And so I'm getting something back from the, from the IRS that I didn't even know I would, had it coming. Now, Brother Mark told us things are going to happen like that. It's going to happen to you. I'm just going to take that as the first fruits. I want the rest of it. But, of course, I want to just give that to the tree of life because I didn't even know I had it. But the Lord knew it was there and he got into that IRS revenueer and said, give that money back to that guy. And so I got that money and when I get the check, hello, Brother Rockland, it's coming your way, sir. I want that place built. I'm just a little excited about it. I, I just have enough faith to believe that God's going to give it to us even before the three years is up. If we will do our part. Did you catch, did you catch what, what he said? He said, things are going to happen to you that you never dreamed possible that the banks, when they find out that we are so faithful in our commitments and that the commitments start coming in, that's, that's being part of the journey is being faithful in what we commit. 
and then we're going to we're going to adjust our income. If I'm spending three hundred dollars a month on on what's that coffee place? Five bucks. Yeah. If I can cut that down just just one a month, I can I can adjust my income to where I can give that to the kingdom. <laughs> And if we, we, if we look at all of our income that way, and, and they're going to give you, he, he's going to give us a paper or a booklet where we can adjust our income for this three years. And when we begin to bring that, the, the funds into the storehouse, when these banks see, and he was right, if they, when they see that we've got that money, they're going to be knocking on our door. We want to help you. I want them to help us because we're going to build that for the glory of God. Could we stand right now? Can we give God glory right now? Oh, hallelujah. Lift your hands to the Lord right now. Thank him for what he's going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, right now. Oh, God, for the promise that you have given to us. We thank you, Lord, for those that are coming into the house. Those that we don't even know. We're 400 strong, but there's 600 out there, Lord, that we don't even know about but their children are going to be worshiping in the sanctuary of the tree of life. And they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. <laughs> and all they need is a place where they can worship God. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead, John. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus Praise be God. the center of your church and Jesus be the center of your church and every knee will bow and every tongue shall shoot Jesus his name is Jesus Jesus be the center Yes, Jesus be the center of your church. And Jesus be the center of your church. Every knee will bow. And every knee will bow. And every tongue shall confess you, Jesus. Center. Yes, Jesus, Jesus be, be the center, center of, of your church. church. 